I'm the Eggman. They are the Eggman. I am the walrus. Coo-coo-coo-choo. Well, here we go. Tusk. Apologies for the sound quality of uh, today's episode. was recorded extemporaneously, very quickly, very late at night on my uh, Android phone, so perhaps not the best, but I'm going to get back to my regular mic setup uh, next week and for the foreseeable future. Enjoy the show. Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Here's an impromptu phone recorded uh, version of the Really Awful Movies podcast, Tusk. Uh, Now, I'm by no means, uh, by way of introduction, a Kevin Smith fanboy. I appreciated Clerks. I think some of his um, Jersey suburban sensibilities are kind of lost on me, and I would say I'm more dogma than dogma, if that makes sense. So I like the movement that came, uh, the the Nordic film movement of uh, dogma filmmaking, but not so much dogma, although I appreciate, I think, the singular uh, stamp that uh, that Smith has uh, put on his little corner of the uh, cinema business. I think it's really amazing. He was in many respects ahead of his time and was able to uh, navigate the worlds of bigger budget, but also uh, more lean threadbare cinema and do it quite effortlessly. So kudos to him, kind of, kind of a cool guy, almost an honorary Canadian hockey guy, a very engaging fellow and, you know, endlessly entertaining. When you hear him uh, talk about the craft of filmmaking, I think you can slot Tarantino into that. Although I think when it comes to him as a filmmaker, he's kind of in the in the same vein as like a Rob Zombie where he has his own particular stamp and his own niche that's undeniable in his own outlook. But I think his uh, output falls a little bit short and I think both have about two and a half good movies that I think they've really made. Maybe maybe three in the case of Smith and maybe two and a half in the case of uh, Zombie. And uh, to the extent you can thrust Tusk into that one is... Uh, based uh, in large part on uh, one's uh, sensibility. Now, this is a- another weird one because it's got, as its star, Justin Long, obviously from those quite awful Mac commercials, but also, uh, you know, the rom-com hero of yesteryear, but who's fashioned quite a name for himself in three films that I've seen very recently that have been quite good in their own way, and he's almost been transformed into a kind of scream king. If you look at something like a barbarian, which I think was filmed in part in Detroit, but in large part, I think, in Hungary for tax purposes. But he plays a, a Me too star who has to uh, offload a bunch of assets when he has to uh, fight a court case and finds himself in a uh, subterranean hell. But I, I think his best work, and I think what plays most to his strengths is kind of an obnoxious, punchable asshole is uh, in Jeepers Creepers, an incredibly underrated flick 
that really expertly combines the supernatural and the monster movie creature feature, uh, as well as the, um, if you want to call it like a roadside chase kind of uh, film. And I, I think does expertly handling multiple genres and doing it really splendidly. And he, he was really dynamite in that one. And uh, with uh, Tusk, we find ourselves in that territory that was explored in the first Blumhouse Halloween movie, which is something that I'm engaged with, uh, as no doubt everyone is well aware, uh, the endeavor of podcasting, which I've been doing since about 2015. And it's kind of weird when you go back and see how much the uh, space has matured. And the fact that it even has matured is kind of mind-boggling to say the least, given that I thought I was a late adopter, or not exactly the earliest adopter when I started the show with Jeff, the Really Awful Movies podcast back in 2015, because if I'd had my druthers, I'm not exactly sure what a druther is, as an aside, but if I had my way, I think it would have been better to come to the table with a podcast, I think a year or so earlier to really gain any sort of traction. Anyway, I think... In the case of Tusk, and maybe because it was more of a zeitgeist thing, I think it was a much better way to introduce a story than it turned out to be in 2018's Halloween, where it just sort of looked like artifice and affectation and just like it. its sole purpose was to uh, employ a fan service to uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and to get people interested in her as a character instead of organically bringing her to the forefront. And I thought that was really, really, uh, I guess, shambolically handled in the case of uh, 2018's Halloween. But I think here works kind of in an interesting way. You've got a duo, unfortunately named the Not-C Party, as in N-O-T-S-E-E, and uh, obviously that, uh, that uh, what is it, homonym, uh, I, f I forget what it is at this point, it's kind of a late night, but it's, that's, these, these guys are uh, edgelords back in the day, and they are, weirdly, because they're a podcast, they're almost aping some of the uh, morning zoo type personalities that were around, I think, five years to a decade prior, the likes of an Opie and Anthony and, of course, Howard Stern and whatnot. So you have these two guys who are uh, really uh, raunchy and obnoxious, and uh, one of whom is Wallace, who's played by Justin Long. The other, uh, his name escapes me, and uh, is played by Haley Joel Osment, of all people, who hasn't... Uh, done much since and uh, since obviously breaking on the scene in the sixth sense so it was really curious to see him and I think he's uh, kind of effective in this role here as the sort of plus one and the uh, straight man to uh, the Wallace character and doing one of these shows that really uh, is uh, part and parcel of that online uh, mocking and uh, of and uh, commentary on uh, all things uh, internet and and uh, in the case of this one here going after a guy who uh, made some sort of a blunder with a uh, lightsaber and uh, the whole premise behind this is that they're going to go interview this kid and uh, make it fodder and make him the butt of an extended series of jokes next thing you know 
Wallace is on a plane to Manitoba to meet this kid. If anyone knows anything about Kevin Smith, uh, you'll see him interviewed with Edmonton Oilers jerseys. He, uh, I don't know if he lives in Canada a part of the year, but he has an inordinate fondness for uh, all things a great white north and uh, that might have uh, bled into what we see here but what you have is a uh, wallace trying to get in touch with this guy who made a viral video and it turns out that in, in a quite in quite comic fashion actually in a way there's a very very poorly attended funeral and it turns out the guy has offed himself uh, one can only assume based on the um, negative and uh, bullying feedback he received about his uh, his video so what we're left with is wallace stuck in winnipeg manitoba the center of canada geographically speaking and uh, he has to find some sort of content as a suitable substitute for uh, this lol cow and finds himself in a bar and in the in the uh, bathroom stall there's a, a, a mysterious and uh, enigmatic note and if he figures uh, he's going to reply because it is uh, all in in you know meant to entice and uh, the, has someone who's got a story to tell and uh, being that he doesn't want to waste the trip he uh, figures he's he's going to pursue the matter and what you have is this figure going into the woods and happening upon this giant sprawling mansion and uh, being sort of isolated there in a way that kind of the the uh, Canadian horror classic uh, curtains does in a little kind of way if you want to treat it as a uh, almost sort of a quasi audition where there's a content you know, seeker and uh, going up to uh, meet their interview subject and uh, it's kind of got an interesting setup in that way as to isolate these two figures now people have likened tusk to the likes of um, of a uh, human centipede in that uh, respect, as if in insofar as it's kind of uh, one of these evil mad scientist Doctor Moreau type, you know, masterminds and Svengali's who's lo looking to uh, create this kind of awful experiment but i think it has just as much in common with the likes of uh say um I, th I think his name is mark duplass's creep but there's other movies of its type where you have a couple people who are isolated and the horror comes from the experience of one-to-one -one interactions like maybe kathy bates in a misery or something or you you could uh you could go on like that but it's it's definitely more than the kind of uh, casual and cavalier and kind of dismissive correlate or uh, to to something like a human centipede i think there's a little bit more to it i i think uh it um it still travels that kind of path though of the the characters isolated and one uh, as we as it turns out being uh, quasi deserving of his uh, of his fate and that's the long character who much like in barbarian has a, a kind of a, a backstory that's uh, very very shady and it, we find out that he's a cheating scumbag despite having this lovely girlfriend uh, i forget uh, the actress's name but she's she's outstanding here as the kind of put upon love interest who is actually having uh, an affair with uh, with Wallace's co-host and she's just absolutely dynamite and uh, brings a lot of uh, groundedness and uh, gravitas to the role and so what you have is the the kind of a comeuppance scenario where you we find out that uh, Justin Long's Wallace has been lured up to the um, actually north of uh, Winnipeg so in the uh, in in the sticks of uh, Manitoba 
and he's been lured there to serve a very uh, evil purpose. And that's, uh, it's, it's almost, in a way, it reminds me of this kind of lurid, grotesque, show called Criminal Minds. I'm not sure if it's still on, but every week that one seemed to want to, or the, the writers and the producers wanted to outdo one another with various antagonists doing different things to the, the bodies and in and, and various uh, scenarios. There'd be someone who would, I, I don't know, uh, blow them up with various gases or uh, stitch them up with various, I don't even know, like... Uh, you know, uh, sewing machines, God knows what, you name it. Uh, but in the case of Tusk, I think it more harkens back to this kind of the gross out of uh, maybe some of the more, uh, some of the victims you'd see in maybe uh, David Fincher's Seven. I think it, it has more in keeping with that kind of cinematic approach rather than just the sheer, you know, torture dynamic that you see in in um, something like a human centipede. So kudos, uh, granted. and uh, But also I think it's a lot more talky and a lot more intelligent and a lot more uh, engaging and a lot more chatty than the likes of a human centipede as well. And in fact, th there's a case to be made that whether when, when you have this interlocution between the, um, the Wallace character and Howard Howe, as it turns out, a, a nom de plume of this uh, Canadian has been uh, on the lam and has been apparently, as we find out later, murdering people across the country. But yeah, this this dialogue between them references everything from, uh, I, I think, uh, the rhyme of the ancient mariner, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, uh, but but also like other notable uh, works of art and, and uh, cultural references and uh, touchstones and uh, really good, really solid dynamic between Wallace and uh, the kind of older statesman, uh, elder statesman, uh, pardon me, of um, Howard Howe, uh, who drops these tales of having met, for whom the bell tolls author Ernest Hemingway. And you have these uh, flashbacks that are in done in black and white that show in uh, one instance, I guess, uh, Howard apparently having an encounter in the uh, North Sea with with uh, walruses and then uh, this uh, winking uh, Ernest Hemingway who he encounters uh, when he's part of a kitchen staff of uh, some sort of I think it was it might have been a battleship I, f I forget the context anyway you have these uh, not entirely effective or arresting flashbacks that could have possibly been dispensed with and you have this uh, you know dynamic where this uh, elder uh, tales teller is uh, weaving quite a yarn and uh, really luring in the, the Justin Long character to the point where his MO is uh, gradually revealed and I think with great effect, a tremendous effect, I, I should say. You almost sound like tremendous, tremendous. You almost sound like a Donald Trump when you use that adjective, but really you, you start to hear his grand plan and his vision for reconstituting a walrus out of Wallace and, uh, and a neat little uh, subtle turn uh, on the, the, the character's name. And you find out there, there's this uh, very Hemingway-esque, I guess, tale of this uh, walrus penis that uh, the Justin Long character lifts off the shelf and they have this discussion about it. And we find out that there's something afoot and something that this guy has planned for the unknowing podcast host that's going to put him in mortal peril. And uh, this is where things um, really get going and uh, turn into a higher gear. 
Now, uh, against the backdrop of this is, I guess, uh, a marital discord and acrimony at home in Los Angeles between uh, the Wallace character and his wife. And uh, this is told in part in flashbacks, too. And she uh, obviously had uh, a relationship with him before he broke it big as this kind of um, very, very uh, well-loved podcaster, a la the, the, the Paul brothers. It's hard to really describe because uh, what kind of uh, category he might occupy because he's got a bit of an edgelord sensibilities, like maybe a legion of skanks, but doesn't come from the comedy world. It's kind of nebulous. Uh, he's, he's this uh, sort of just a shit talker and, uh, and uh, sports this, well, dare I call it like a walrus style mustache. It makes him cut like a little bit of an Anthony Kiedis figure from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So you have this di- dynamic going on of him at home in Los Angeles and, um, and this um, infidelity with his uh, friend and podcast host and uh, the, the discord with his wife. And then you have him go to Canada and you have these characters from uh, Kevin Smith's other movies that uh, play, well, not characters not unlike the, uh, the twosome in Clerks. And it were, they're, they're basically a C channels, I would call it in my field, convenience channel, a convenience store workers some uh, at the likes of the local 7-Eleven or Circle K or one of these places. And they have this um, interaction with Wallace and they they say, oh, you're you're like two hours away from this guy's place. It's super far, dude. And they, they make some remark about him being an asshole American and because he makes fun of the way they say a boot or about it's it's really kind of hackneyed in a way and I think if we're going to segue into what we learned here it was it was kind of curious to watch this as a Canadian and uh, seeing Quebecois a French Canadian accent in the form of I think it was an uncredited Johnny Depp if I'm not mistaken playing uh, this uh, Ramon Lapointe or some uh, Soretta de Quebec police investigator who's hunting this uh, serial killer and and there's sort of little bits of Canadiana that don't ring true that kind of mar the proceedings I think in one case there's a character who laughingly says Canada doesn't produce serial killers uh, when um, I guess one of the characters responds with incredulity that the uh, long arm of the law uh, is actually pursuing a serial killer and doesn't find it uh, to be a feasible thing which I think is ridiculous considering this is the country that produced the pig farmer, Robert Picton, but also uh, Clifford Olson, a notorious child murderer, also in British Columbia, who killed a dozen kids, I think, under the age of 14. Not to mention, the uh, there's a spree killer who uh, shot a bunch of students in uh, Montreal, a female engineering students, and, and of course, the Ken and Barbie killers. So uh, we certainly have our fair share. And in my hometown of Toronto, there's a gay serial killer. I don't even think he has a nickname, probably for the best. But anyway, it's just one of these hollow uh, things that was supposed to be a nod to Canadiana and, and probably playing with these kinds of stereotypes of saying a boot which is uh, ridiculous and uh, in niceties about how friendly Canadians are and this strange dynamic and uh, sort of a condescension of the the Wallace character doesn't always hold true and uh, kind of a stereotypical Quebecois accent and hockey references that are ridiculous and tonally I think what leaves Tusk hanging a little bit is the uh, the wild veering between comedic moments that are quite good 
but I think also at times misplaced from and the juxtaposition of, of body horror and um, something like um, that you almost see in like a midsummer with the the bear scene if you haven't seen that but there, there's the animalistic aspects of this uh, this the grand design of this guy's plan uh, this uh, perp and uh, what he has in store uh, as it pertains to walruses as you could probably uh, probably uh, gather or guess from the title but yeah just that these sort of sensibilities don't always work well together though there are comedic moments that do strike a beat that are quite solid but they're there is a certain campiness that is at loggerheads with I think some of the I think quite amazing cinematography and darkness and foreboding that at times is brought to bear in the proceedings by Smith and uh, the the star the antagonist is uh, uh, Parks is uh, particularly great he was also in Red State which I admit I haven't seen I've not seen a lot of the of of Kevin Smith uh, I'm not again partial to a lot of his movies but I think there is certainly a kernel of a gem of an interesting, really cool movie in Tusk. I just think that its its uh, downfall lies in in the uh, the kind of uh, the condescension that's meant to be taking uh, cheeky pot shots at uh, Canadians. I don't think serves this film particularly well. I think the performances are really, really good across the board. I think the uh, dialogue is splendid. And you could have, if, I, I don't know if they could have, if Smith could have given himself a little more runway to even lure the um, the unsuspecting podcaster in a little more through these, this grand um, discussion and this, this freewheeling, quite lengthy talk that they have about all sorts of different things over tea of all things that they bond over over tea before you know, of course uh, you're you're probably best uh, not to uh, receive any refreshments uh, given to you in a strange mansion but I, th- I think the the talky aspects of it and the how the uh, the uh, perp and victim uh, come to acquaint themselves is really quite expert and there there's even a, a little uh, uh, nod to a couple of, uh, if you want to say, like famous Canadian TV programs known for people faking wheelchair access, and that you could throw that all the way back to SCTV, but also something like the Trailer Park Boys. So that was kind of uh, kind of neat as well that the perp didn't really need uh, use of a of a wheelchair, but is is uh, basically just a a grift and a design to probably um, you know, much like in the way. Uh, Ted Bundy used, you know, his, uh, what, what is it, the Beetle car to uh, make himself seem approachable and friendly because after all, no one driving a, a silly, fatuous car like that could be up to no good. But quite a movie this is, that's for sure. I think if, uh, to the extent that it which, with which it resembles, I think some of the frights you see in The Seven, I think some of the the horrors that have resonated with other people, I think, could be a little bit muted. I think I, I saw some of it coming. Uh, also, the I was a little disappointed that I was able to suss out the infidelity subplot just by the, the presence of a hand stroking a face, which uh, telegraphed things enough to know 
where things were going on that front, but that's not to say that this isn't kind of a flawed mini masterpiece because just the chutzpah and the balls to make a movie about someone who wants to fashion a, a sort of a hybrid man beast in some kind of um, faraway sprawling mansion is, is quite, I mean, uh, quite in innovative and inventive to say the least. And I'm going to probably give this one a three out of five. And this is where my rating scale really serves me well. I think you can, uh, you can give kudos to Smith here for perhaps biting off a little bit more than he could chew, but for, for doing so in a way that I think fails spectacularly without being a spectacular failure, solid all around and uh, uh, super fun at least. Uh, and, you know, again, very, very unique in its own weird, quirky little way. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this uh, brief discussion here. We'll talk to you soon and take care. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.